Ah, konnichiwa, my friends, and welcome to the second episode of FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio. Thanks for downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Samurai Appliance Repairman, the fermented grandmaster of appliantology, along with my eternal co-host, Mrs. Samurai. How you doing, Mrs. Samurai? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for joining us along with this issue of the podcast. Let me tell you a little bit about FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio. Simply, it's a podcast about appliance enlightenment. Our mission is to help each and every one of our listeners achieve appliance satori. And what exactly is that? Satori is the Zen aim of enlightenment. It's the ultimate Zen goal of becoming enlightened. And uh, we need a gong sound whenever you say satori. Maybe I'll get one of those put in somewhere. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to try to imitate that. No. Um, And also... FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio, it's for consumers, do-it-yourselfers, and professional appliance repair tech. So there's a little something for everybody, no matter what stage of the appliance repair game you're in. If you use an appliance, you should listen to this. That covers just about everybody. That does. If you, if you have ever touched or seen an appliance, then this show's for you. In this episode, we're going to talk about news about the proposed Maytag-Whirlpool merger and an update on the revised NCAA technician certification exams. We'll also be having some tech tips from Frigidaire on their ice makers, Maytag washers and dryers, Genair wall ovens, and Whirlpool and KitchenAid ranges. But first, a word from our sponsor. Fixitnow.com. Samurai appliance repairman. Very, very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. Fixitnow.com. Appliance repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, Fixitnow.com. Man, that's a good sounding ad. All right. Boy, it makes me want to go out there and kick some butt. Absolutely. Well, you know, it sounds even better because if you've listened to the first episode, you might notice there's a definite improvement in sound quality in this episode. Well, we made some improvements in our equipment, got a little better microphone going here, so everything should be sounding a lot lot crisper. And we figured out a little better what we're doing here. Yeah, we're getting getting more and more used to it as we go along, sort of figuring it out as we go. So now let's get into some industry news. All right. Yeah, that's our favorite. This is about the Whirlpool-Maytag merger. We talked about this in our first episode. Uh, This has been an ongoing, developing story where um, Maytag has just been in a tailspin. Their quality has just been, just been sucking eggs and their sales have dropped off a lot because their quality has dropped off. Um, They've been trying to cut corners, all the bean counters in the companies are uh, cutting corners in every, all the important places. And so people aren't buying their products anymore. Their share, their uh, profit per share has gone way down. Um, this is a company that's just in trouble. Whirlpool, a company doing very well and uh, makes overall pretty decent products, has uh, come along and wants to buy Maytag. Maytag shareholders have approved this sale. Ah, but what have two prominent Iowa elected officials asked the U.S. Department of Justice's antitrust division to do? What do you think they've asked him to do, Ms. Samurai? To meddle? To meddle! That's what government does best. It meddles. And they want the uh, antitrust division of the Justice Department to reject the proposed acquisition. Why is that? Well, as usual, all of these arguments come down to fairness. 
That's right. Whirlpool, they say contend that Whirlpool would have an unfair market advantage and increase economic concentration in the appliance industry. It would give, them more than, give the Whirlpool-Maytag merger more than a 50% share of, major, of the major appliance market share. Now, here's the thing. This is what's so absurd about this. Their, their other concern is that the merger would result in a closure of manufacturing plants in Newton. Okay, let's think about this for a minute. You have a company that's not doing well. They're losing money. Their shares are in a tailspin. Their share prices are in a tailspin. And so, and these, these, these government legislatures, legislators, are uh, concerned that the plants are going to close if the merger goes through. Well, what's going to happen if the merger doesn't go through? The plants may still close because it, people stop buying Maytags. It's and, called bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, duh. I mean, come on. When are we going to get this? You cannot go and just meddle with the free market. Every time the government meddles with the free market, you get unintended consequences. And if they just let this go through, if the government were to step out, just get rid of, this is what regulations do. They warp the free market playing field. Everybody thinks, oh, well, we need more regulations to make it more fair. In fact, what regulations do is it makes it easier for the larger companies to compete because smaller companies can't afford to comply with the myriad regulations. Well, uh, sadly, the antitrust division is considering blocking the merger for the same reasons cited in the letter from these, uh, these two bozos, one of them Representative Boswell. Hey, that sounds pretty close to bozo. And, uh, <laughs> and then the other one's Harkin, so, as you would expect. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm Tom Harkin. I want to take money from you and give it to somebody else. It's ridiculous. I mean, who's to say they would keep it? Just because at the point of the merger, they'd represent a certain segment of the market doesn't mean they could keep it. Well, absolutely. Unless they're making good things that people want to buy. Well, and this is a great point. I mean, the, the assumption here is that everything stays the same. We know this is not true. And we'll, we'll, I, I'm, I don't know how this is going to play out, but yeah. uh, everything changes. Everything's fluid in a, in a normal market. And you can't predict. This is the thing with a free market. You can't predict what's going to happen, but you can, you can say that whatever does happen is going to be more equitable and more fair than any kind of government meddling coming in, which invariably shows favoritism to one group or another. Right. Well, let's keep an eye on this story. Yep. It's interesting. We will definitely keep following this one. And moving on, NCEE. Which is? Who knows what NCEE stands for? National something. It's the National Coalition <laughs> of Electronics Education. Oh, okay. Yeah, and apparently they're getting into the game of, uh, there's several certification programs out there for appliance repair techs. As, as you know, the appliance repair field is largely unregulated, which I think is a good thing. Unlike uh, plumbers and electricians in many states, they have to have a license from the state. And what does licensure do? Licensing protects the incompetent, and how does it do that? because it limits their competition. So in other words, to be a plumber, to go and change out a disposal in the state of New Hampshire, you're supposed to be a licensed plumber. And that means that really a licensed plumber just has limited competition in terms of who can do that. So this is, this is again, what, what the appliance industry is doing is they're being proactive and you've got these several of these uh, private groups that are coming up with their own certification as hopefully a preemptive strike to any type of government regulation uh, or licensing requirements, which never works out well for the consumer or for anyone else. 
But they're, the technicians, uh, what they're requiring in their new uh, skills uh, set that they're requiring for certification is that technicians have to know more about refrigeration appliances. And they'll, they'll be drafting this under their uh, exams offered under their Consumer Appliance Professional Program, and, uh, which is a certification that uh, techs can get from NCAA. And they must be specifically uh, some of the core competencies related to refrigeration that uh, NCAA uh, certified techs must be able to explain how temperatures are controlled and describe the difference between adaptive and timed defrost systems as part of the basic refrigeration requirement. And they must also describe the formula for determining the BTUs necessary for air conditioning a given space. I don't think I didn't even know that. I used to know that. Hmm. I used to be smart. Back, in, back when I was an engineer, in my engineering life, uh, I used to know all that stuff. Describe the proper formula to determine pints per hour for dehumidifying a given area. I used to know that too. ASHRAE actually has a lot of good, the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers has, their fundamentals book has a great, a great compendium and compilation of uh, all this type of fun facts, know and tell. Mm -hmm. Other requirements are describe the uh, energy saving options on window air conditioners. Yeah, what does that switch do? All oh, that does is switch <laughs> off the uh, compressor. Explain the absorption methods of wine cooler operations. This is very interesting because I actually used to work on absorption refrigeration cycles, as Miss Samurai can tell you. Oh yeah, right here in the basement. Yeah, the <laughs> absorption refrigeration equipment is used also in RVs, and that's what I used to do is rebuild those cooling units. They're all steel. They're charged with um, aqueous ammonia and hydrogen gas. And they were a lot of fun to work on. You'd uh, pull those steel cooling units out, strip off the uh, foam urethane, and sandblast them down to bare metal, find the leaks. You've got to blow the charges, of course, which is, can be exciting with uh, uh, ammonia smelly. and hydrogen. And smelly, because all this stuff would happen down in the basement of our house. And uh, I'm glad I got out of that. That was, that was what, 10 years ago? Yep. Jeez, wow. Uh, technical info and diagnostics for independent servicers, and some of you do-it-yourselfers might be interested in this as well, but um, it's amazing. There's, there's an increasing amount of information direct from the manufacturers available on the Internet. And the Internet is such an awesome thing. I mean, it just makes all of information that was never available before you can get on the Internet. Um, Electrolux, Maytag, and Whirlpool. All three have uh, made lots of uh, tech information, service manuals, tech sheets, service bulletins, etc., available at their website uh, free for independent servicers to go to. Whirlpool really led the way in this with their servicematters.com site. Awesome site. If you, if you need information, solid technical service information on Whirlpool products, which includes KitchenAid and Roper, uh, the serv service matters, one word, servicematters.com, Great site to go to. They've also got videos, training videos. They get into fundamentals like how to use test uh, basic test instruments, um, the basics of troubleshooting. Awesome site. Whirlpool led the way with this, and they, the other manufacturers have followed suit. Electrolux and Maytag. Uh, there's even some rumors out there that GE may also open their technical information website. I mean. It's only smart to do. Whirlpool did this as it was primarily driven by marketing. I mean, think about it. You're a technician. 
you're in somebody's house, their washer, range, whatever, not worth repairing, it's, it's old, and it's decrepit, it's just not worth putting the money into it anymore. Customer asks, well, what brand would you buy? Well, I tell you what, I always recommend uh, Whirlpool products because, first of all, I think they really do make, on average, a better product. They, they make more appliances than anybody. They've got the most chance to get it right or get it wrong. For the most part, they get it right. I see them treat customers excellently. Customers call with uh, warranty issues. They get through to a human in Dearborn, Michigan, whose native language is English, and, which <laughs> yeah, is very important. That's a plus. And, and I'll contrast this with, the, with a um, similar type of situation, but with deal when dealing with GE, where you have an issue, you call 1-800-GE-CARES. <laughs> you call, you get a call center in India somewhere, and, and you get you get the sing-songy, and uh, it's 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 maddening. First of all, and you're going to be on hold for about half an hour too, and then they're going to do everything they can to get out of it. Dealing with Maytag is also a nightmare. There, you may get people whose primary, whose, whose native language is English, but they're going to be very unhelpful. They're going to do everything they can to stand in your way. I've not, I've heard horrible reports about um, dealing with Maytag customer service. Um, Maybe they're going to improve. Maybe they're working on improving. I don't know. But uh, from the, what I hear from my customers who have had the misfortune of having to deal with these types of things, I hear good things about Whirlpool. I have personally seen good things about Whirlpool. Um, and I've heard lots of bad things about the others. And so, Electrolux website for tips. It's www.frigidaire.com forward slash tip. The login is service, and the password is tips. For the Maytag website, you go to www.epal.maytagadvantage.com. And for the login, you click on the Maytag shield on the home page. That takes you to the technical communications logon page. The password is service. And for the Whirlpool website, I've already mentioned that one. That's www.servicematters.com. No login, no password required. It's so open. who makes it easier? Whirlpool makes it even easier just to get into their website. Absolutely, you don't, they don't even they don't even bother with all of the uh, bogus. The secret handshake. Yeah. And the <laughs> retina scan. And... That's right. They don't bother with any of that stuff. It's like it's here for the re for the exact purpose of disseminating this information. Now speaking of websites. There's one we haven't mentioned for oh, a few minutes here. We have not mentioned it for a few minutes here, and that is the most awesome do-it-yourself website to ever grace the internet. No matter what brand you have. And that's it's there to help you. It's there to, it'll and it's always there, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. And that's and that's different from most other websites, Hal. We're not sure about that, but <laughs> Stump Mrs. Samurai. Yes, but it's fixitnow.com. So be sure to go there for all of your appliance needs where you'll find all your appliance repair needs. <laughs> and you'll get you can get expert repair help in our forum. We have a very fine repair forum, very active. Lots of other technicians go there. Uh, it seriously, it's one of the and I I look around and it is it is I think the best uh, repair forum on the internet. There's not too many of them, but uh, the one at fixitnow.com is certainly the best, and you'll see it. You go to fixitnow.com, you'll you'll see the big orange block there with the most prominent links. These are the the links, the most helpful links uh, right. available. Like frequently to the site. asked questions, the right. repair forum, and the the, the main thing about the website is all the information is free. You 
figure out what you need, and then you can order your parts through the site. Right. Get it right there. Uh, secure uh, ordering right there on site, and it uh, actually through a parts partner, and then it delivers conveniently to your home. Yep. So, yes, be sure to go to fixitnow.com for lots of interactive help. All right, we've got a high drain condition on Maytag Dependable Care models. These are washers. This is Maytag's venerable design, the Dependable Care, which they don't make anymore. They went to the cheesy Norge style, which is sold under the Performa and Atlantis um, labels um, or sub-brand sub of Maytag. The Dependable Care was their flagship product for years and years and years. The problem is it's too expensive to make that type of uh, top-loading washer anymore. I was just wondering why they <clears throat> stopped if it was so good. It's expensive. It was $600 um, was the average retail price for, that, for the Dependable Care. The Performa and Atlantis, the newer design, the much cheesier design with the plastic transmission, uh, sells for about $400. So your consumer, all of this is driven by consumer prices, by the way, not a conspiracy to rip you off. Uh, it is you, the consumer, who is driving all of this. You will, they know, and they've, they've done study groups, they know, they know who buys their product, and they know why people buy their products. And the bottom line is, what they found is that people don't care about quality. They will always buy the cheapest thing. So this is what, this is what people are getting. They're getting cheap stuff because people want cheap, cheap, cheap. That's why China's doing so well, because people want cheap, cheap, cheap. And so that's what they're getting. Anyway, this tip is on the Maytag Dependable Care, which there's still a considerable number of them out there because they're such awesome machines. They last. I've, I've worked on 30-year-old Maytag, uh, Maytag Dependable Care washers. No kidding. And, and all they needed was some, like a lid switch, some silly little repair. Mm. Um, Anyway, if this, this condition concerns, uh, the, if you have a drain that's more than six feet high, that's considered to be a high drain condition. In other words, the drain hose has to extend up more than six feet above the ground that the washer is sitting on. That's considered a high drain condition. This results in incomplete pump outs from the washer. You're still, you've still got a little bit of water left in the tub at the end of the pump out and spin. Um, the solution here, and of course your clothes stay wet, so the solution here is to install a hybrid motor pulley and install a new pump belt, a modified pump belt. Maytag's put this out. They've got part numbers on these, and I will post these at the website for the podcast, which I probably ought to go ahead and mention that. The podcast, you know, we've mentioned fixitnow.com. This podcast has its own um, website which is podcast.fixitnow.com. And there you'll find archives of all of our issues. You'll also find links and part numbers um, and any other specific information that's just not uh, very amenable to verbal description here because I know people start throwing part numbers at me. And, and, uh, well, I, you know, I, if you're I sitting here remember. trotting on the treadmill listening to this, you can't very well jot down a part number. Right, so. right. So it makes no sense. So um, instead, they'll be at the website uh, for the podcast, which is podcast.fixitnow.com. And so anyway, if you install these new pulleys and belt, you'll get faster rotation and better draining. Noise in Gen Air wall ovens. Uh, there's been some unidentified noise problems in these Gen Air wall ovens, and all of them start with JJW, the model number, and consumers have been reporting these, and the problem has been traced to mechanical vibration in the cooling fan uh, sheet metal parts. And there's a noise, uh, noise kit 
that's, that Whirlpool's put out to address this problem. And again, that part number will be at podcast.fixitnow.com. Another tech tip here on Maytag Neptune washers. And this has to do with the MAH2400 model. Um, that it displays one at the, a, a numeral one at the end of the wash cycle. So the system will complete the wash cycle, unlock the door, but the LED uh, displays a numeral one in the display for five minutes after the cycle's ended. Well, some people are getting confused about this and wondering if that's a fault code or whatever. And it's not. It's, it's, the problem's been traced to a software glitch. And if this really bothers you, it's not hurting anything functionally. But if having this one in the display for five minutes at the end of the cycle bothers you, um, you can install a new board. There's a new control board. And, and these boards run about 200 bucks. So if it's worth 200 bucks for you to make that one go away or not appear at all, then by all means, there is, Whirlpool has, uh, Maytag has put out a kit to correct this problem. And this has to do with production series 12 machines. Well, maybe some people have an unreasonable fear of the number one. Ah, the number one. You know, sort of like the, um, the Prisoner. Remember that show, the, uh, that series, The Prisoner from the 60s? I am not a number, I am a free man! Well, he was number six, and his big thing, he was on this island where there were all these people, and they all, all had numbers, they were all taken away from regular society, and they were put in this artificially constructed society where everybody has numbers for names. He was always trying to find out who number one was. Well, there was no number one. It was a completely socialist, regulated society, and you know, he was number six, and he was, it was uh, trying to get out of there. And, uh, and th so there's a good basis for having a fear of number one. Alrighty then. Yeah, alrighty then. Uh, another tip here from Whirlpool. Uh, Whirlpool KitchenAid convection fans scraping the rear oven wall. Mm. And there's some affected models on this. Again, it's, it's a nuisance thing. Um, I, I suppose it could ultimately result in a functional thing, but the motor shaft is out of spec on these models. And there's a replacement motor shaft, uh, replacement motor with a longer shaft that uh, Whirlpool's put out on this. And they've got a part number kit on that as well. All right, let's jump back to Maytag. Uh, this is a dryer popping noise in Maytag dryers, model number MDG 9700, MDG 9700 Maytag dryer models. Popping noise when the dryer heats up and then when it cools down again. Well got a dryer, stuff gets hot, a lot of cheesy, flimsy sheet metal in dryers. So what would you think this is, Ms. Samurai? Expansion contraction Exacto mundrip. That's exactly what it is. It's due to expansion contraction of the rear inlet duct. And as you might expect, they have come out with a modified inlet duct. <laughs> and uh, the cure is to replace that. Again, not a functional issue. This is purely an aesthetical for people with fear of popping noises fear of popping noises you know if you li say you live in an urban environment where you get a lot of drive-by shootings uh, you know people could mistake that for <laughs> for they're, gunfire they're tired of hitting the floor <laughs> right you get tired of just uh. ducking for cover every time their dryer goes <laughs> so that, very good point so okay well enough of that let's move on to the email portion of our show and just, if you have an email that you'd like to comment on the show or ask a techie-type question, uh, just email us at podcast, podcast. at fixitnow.com. Yep, it's easy. Podcast at fixitnow.com. 
at, not dot, fixitnow.com. We that, referred to that e- earlier. We did refer to that earlier. So there's podcast.fixitnow.com, which is a URL, that's an address, for the podcast's website. But if you want to email us about the podcast, then it's podcast at fixitnow.com. Subtle but crucial distinction. So thank you for your attention. And let's, uh, let's kick it over here to Mrs. Samurai is going to read us a, uh, an email, and uh, we need to... Uh, so. Yes, this one begins with a haiku. Now, you might think appliance repair is sort of dry and dull, but not at fixitnow.com. Oh. We encourage the inner poet in everyone, and in fact, we have a, the- quite a collection of appliance repair haikus. And we often get people, fans of the site, who like to compose their own. Well, because we have a, a collection of haikus at the site that I've uh, put together that's, uh, that people can peruse and enjoy. And while they're reading them, there's even koto music, traditional koto music, to set the ambiance. Very important. So, Sim- similarly for this one, we'll have to cue up yes, the so koto music. Cue the tinkly music. This is from Dobie Man. Gas oven, so sweet, but now it will not heat up. Prevent service call. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Is there any higher art form than haiku? I don't think so, but you I know, know, some people might, uh, little, if I may uh, take just a brief um, excursion here. Haiku, in case you're not familiar with it, it's, it's not meant to rhyme. It's a Japanese form of, a traditional Japanese form of poetry. And it's written where the first line is five syllables, second line is seven syllables, third line is five syllables. There's just three lines, five, seven, five. That's, that's a traditional pentameter, or um, um, what is that called? Uh, meter, rhythm. Meter, meter. It's, that's the traditional, the traditional meter in haikus, five, seven, five. And it, I, my theory is that haiku was developed for very bad and very lazy poets. Maybe beginner poets. Let's, let's beginner. be a little more charitable. Okay. Anyway, he goes on. I have a Kenmore gas stove slash oven. When I turn the oven or broiler on, the element heats up in the bottom, but the gas flames don't come on. Not sure if element is not getting hot enough or if the electronics are not telling it to open the gas vents when it is hot enough. Your wisdom is appreciated, Dobie Man. Ah, Dobie Man, good question. And let me just point out a couple things here. As a Kenmore, or as a gas um, oven, Gas ovens don't have elements, um, so to just clarify some terminology, an element is the cow rod, the, the black round rod that gets hot on in an electric oven or an electric stove. What a gas oven has is called an igniter, and it's, it's a small, can be either square or round. I've got a really good article on this at, uh, at our website, fixitnow.com. And what it does, it current flows through it, and it glows bright orange. And you'll see as sim- uh, the same type of device in gas dryers as well. It's the same type of ignition system. And so what's happening here, um, he's seeing the igniter light up, but the flame in the oven doesn't come on. There's a great article at my website, fixitnow.com, that explains how this ignition system in gas ovens works. So what happens is with the igniter, currents flowing through the igniter, it, through the igniter, enough to make it glow hot, but not enough to open the gas valve. Because as the igniter ages, it's resist, it gets little micro cracks in it. These are cumulative, 
and its resistance increases so it doesn't pass as much current through to the gas valve. There's a little bimetal in the gas valve and current has to flow across that bimetal to get it hot inside the gas valve in order to make it expand and, con and when it expands it opens and it snaps open. So, sometimes you can even hear it. Popping noise. Popping noise hit the ground and, and then when it cools off it'll snap shut. Oh another popping noise. But this is how they work. If you, if you were kids, you get these little buttons from Edmund Scientific, and you press them, put them on the put them on the table, and let them cool off, and they'll eventually pop up on their own. Same type of uh, principle at, at work in the gas valve. So is that what you did in your childhood? That's what I did a lot of times. Yeah, just just make popping noises and uh, play with little flippy things. That explains a lot. Yeah, yeah, but I feel better now. Anyway, the, the solution in this case would be, um, if I were on the service call, I would actually measure the current draw through the igniter. If it's the square kind, I'm looking for anywhere from 3.2 to 3.6 amps of current draw through that igniter. If I don't get that, I know I've got a bad igniter. I would replace the igniter by going to fixitnow.com and purchasing it through the parts link there. Install it. All would be good. Joy would be restored, and I would once again be baking gourmet frozen pizzas. All right. Excellent. Spank you. Spank you so much. So, so we have one more email from Nancy. And hi, Nancy. Hi. She says, I loved your website. However, I uh -oh. still... It, it, the howevers always get me. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. That's all right. I still have a problem that I can't resolve. My gas dryer fires up, runs for a short time, then quits. Then for a period of time, the coil turns orange, but doesn't fire. This goes on and on, and then once in a while, it fires. There was also a very hot smell. I've disconnected the vent at the dryer and pulled it away from the wall until this problem is resolved. Any wisdom would be greatly appreciated. Ah, very good. And this is good, too, because it ties right in with what we were talking about with the gas range before. So what she's got going on here is one of two things. She's either got a restricted vent, which is creating back pressure on the dryer, the dryer is sensing an overheat condition and cutting out, or she has weak valve coils. And the way I would, if I were on the service call, the way I would proceed to diagnose this is first thing I would do is disconnect the vent completely from the back of the dryer. The vent is that hose that goes on the back of your dryer. Take that right off, run the dryer. If I see a normal heat cycle, uh, with coming on, heat coming on and cycling off, coming back on, then I know I have a uh, vent problem and I would uh, proceed to troubleshoot the vent. On the other hand, if, the, if I see the same behavior with the vent disconnected, then 97.63% chance that the problem is the valve coils. Very inexpensive fix. I think those parts run like 20 bucks or something. Um, and where can they get those parts, Ms. Samurai? Oh, um, let me think. Oh, fixitnow.com. That's right, fixitnow.com. And you can get the parts right there. And there's also, if it is the vent, there's a great article called The Ultimate Dryer Venting Guide, the highly recommended reading for every dryer owner out there, uh, that you ought to read that because there's a lot more to a good vent than just not having lint. Uh, vents can also be bad by having too many turns, by, having, by being partially crushed. Uh, anything that presents a restriction to airflow and creates back pressure in the dryer. Dryers are pretty simple. All they do is heat up, they, they heat up the air and move a bunch of it. And if you can't do one of those two things, you're not going to get dry clothes. 
So that's what's going on with Nancy's dryer. All right. Well, that about wraps up this exciting episode, this, this journey into appliance repair excellence. I can't believe it's already over. Oh, it's, it's sad, but we will be back. Ah, the good news, yes. That's the good news. So I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Thanks for downloading it. Come see us at fixitnow.com. Um, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about today, or if you have comments uh, about the show, things that we could add to make it more interesting to you, um, other things that you'd like for us to talk about, email us at podcast at fixitnow.com. And for details on anything we've talked about in this episode, come visit our podcast webpage at podcast.fixitnow.com. Yep, right. So, and that's instead of www.fixitnow.com, you'd go podcast.fixitnow.com. And so we welcome, invite, and I even solicit your comments and constructive criticisms on this show and our, on our podcast in general, what you'd like to hear more of or less of, and how we can make it more useful to you. So until next time, this is Samurai Appliance Repairman and... Mrs. Samurai. Saying sayonara. Bye. Bye.